content. Are you ready to go? Peculiar. Hey kids, get ready for some content. We have the best content. Content. Oh, content na podcast. I, I like to think of it as pro-tent, not Anime content. with content. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. This is Sabrina Ray, and I'm here with the friends. There's Victoria, there's Dawn, and we're talking about Sunny Boy. Sunny Boy! <laughs> we are we have we're coming to the conclusion of Sunny Boy. We are. We are. And it's pretty it's pretty great in that I feel like they actually gave answers in these last four episodes, which was a nice change of pace from some of I, the stuff that I've watched. I agree. I agree. I can think of some very frustrating shows that failed to give answers is one way to phrase it. Um, I think Sunny Boy gave answers to the best of its ability. (laughs) (laughs) It feels somewhat like they gave the answers and the things that they didn't directly answer, either as the show itself says, don't matter, or you just kind of get to intuit or feel out what you think happened or what mystery, like what mysteries matter and what, what uh what fan theory could piece all of it together you you um, sound like this is the last episode of the sopranos when the screen goes dark it's yeah, just it's gonna like be up that, to you though. it's no, not it's... like that <laughs> i like the fact that they 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 do make it feel very much like these characters escape their situation and return to the place that they were trying to get to and it ties in the stuff with Nozomi nicely. And I mean, we'll get to all that when we get to it. But uh, what's funny to me about this is, and I was thinking about this just when I was going on, I was like, you know, when we first started doing this, I kind of approached it like, oh, let's unravel the, the mysteries. Let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about all the, uh, the meaning and the big picture and the story and then for the next block of episodes, which we actually recorded twice, that's a confession here, but the next block of episodes, we we had to go back and be like, okay, we're just going to talk about what happens and the characters and what's going on and the stuff that we like admire piece by piece without flipping around or moving. But this last like couple episodes, maybe past the the ninth episode, I just feel like it's almost like you're sitting there looking at a painting but not like it's not that it isn't moving. It's not like they ran out of money, like certain series that we could discuss, where where things just stop moving, and you you interpret them as artistic because you know there's there seems to be intent behind it, like like the the music or the silence of moments, <clears throat> Evangelion TV, uh, or they reuse a lot of stuff. Here, uh, it just feels like you're just supposed to sort of soak everything in. And I just felt they were much more, I was engaging with them on a much more emotional level than I was like a deeply intellectual one. And I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on that first before we get into the nitty gritty. 
Sunny boy, more like rainy no, boy. I'm trying to think about your statement, engaging them more on a um, emotional level. I, I mean, I, 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 mean, finally... I could talk about how a, a, a rocket ship takes off, goes into outer the, the, outer space. Stuff, if I can jump, if I can breaks just jump. the speed of light. If I can jump to the last episode. Uh, that is an emotional arc. It's very... Uh, if, if you haven't watched the previous episodes, it almost even works by itself in some ways. You could. There's a lot of tone. There's a lot of emotional... And, and it does dovetail into something that I am sure we will discuss the ending, etc. Um, you know, I think if you if you project backwards into the previous episodes in light of what we watched in the much more narratively coherent <laughs> um, remaining four episodes, which, as you said, they do tie together in a number of ways. There's still a lot of junk floating out there where, you know, it's like the land of misfit puzzle pieces that don't necessarily fit together and you're trying to jam stuff and you know, you feel like you want to sit down with the creator and he's just going to be like, oh, well, I was on acid when I did that one. You're never going to make it fit. Well, like, that's, that's part just... of the, that's part of the like sitting and looking at a painting feeling that I had or listening to like a, a passage of music, but not like, it's sort of just an appreciation for what they did. And it might be like an appreciation for what the entire series did in retrospect as I was watching it because of how, I sort of like was spent so long. It's like my journey was like, I spent a long time trying to figure out what it all meant. Mm. And I started looking at like what it felt like to watch it. Like what it was like in the, in the middle episodes, we were talking about the minute, the details and appreciating those. And then at the end, I was just kind of like, this is a nice feeling. This is like interesting. This is, I, I'm not really thinking about why this guy has a twin that that he's he's got a copy of himself that that he's in a battle with over a single hair that makes them different. Like I'm not like I I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to the overall anything of it all. All I know is it's interesting and the way that they resolve that fight with this weird ray gun that makes a tinny ray gun sound uh and leaves holes in the center of them which uh, kills one of them but not the other uh yeah that's interesting too right one of them yeah, dies the other that, one that is remains. literally the last sort of off the rails moment where i'm kind of like i don't did you think it. it could connect to what was happening with mizuho where we discovered the nature of her powers do we want to talk about that? Because like we find out, like the the ninth episode starts. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called something about salmon. <laughs> yeah, the name <laughs> is bizarre. And in fact, I'd love to, you know, just to encapsulate the whole thing. Um, the whole yeah. episode nine, or well, it's also. The, Are you going to try to the, encapsulate all the four episodes or the whole series? The whole series, and Why I'm going to do it now. I just started talking about episode nine. <laughs> well, because it it ties directly to episode nine. Give me a moment. Give me a moment to like. First all of all, right, episode nine, as least on the is this salmon, Chazuke is missing its salmon ya. So 
the words so that I butchered, language. I guess. I don't know. But this is on, um, uh, I'm watching this on Crunchyroll on my iPad. Um, and let me just say for the record, uh, I had a devil of a time finding the uh, dubbed episodes because I mm. wanted to watch them as opposed to the subbed episodes. And eventually I figured out that it was all in the same space, but then I had to scroll to the side. And then once I finally found the ones that were dubbed in English, which is my preferred language, um, I couldn't get the episodes to display uh, actual sub. Like I wanted both it in English with English subtitles because I, who knows what's happening. There could That's be a, a, you know, a, a, a four man band going on next door. And I, I want to be able to, hear it and watch it is there really a four-man band going on next door to you if we're going to be accurate about what's going on next door i have some new neighbors and i think one of them is a bartender because they come back at like 4 30 in the morning and turn on the tv which i can hear through the one wall that we share together which happens to be my bedroom wall terrible terrible but nevertheless it'd be be so funny if one of the like 85 subscribers that we have is your neighbor So unlikely. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I gotta stop watching. I gotta stop listening to the podcast at 4 30 a.m. Yeah. No. They, they were so into it, Don. They were so into the podcast that they literally had to like <laughs> I'm just ruining the joke now. Yeah, but, it's, it's um Okay. So we right. wanna connect, so we wanna connect stage, pieces. Yeah. Go ahead. So these are the comments on episode nine. There's only five of them. Um, and none of them are more than six words long but i feel like if read in total really kind of circle back on some of the themes that we had so the first one is here deep 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 the uh the the extra e's are just written there so i had to provide the emphasis then this is dark so there you've got that one i I don't, I don't know about agree. that one. Okay, here's here's one. Here's I'm that. sure you'll agree with this one. Damn, she really got some bazongas. Uh, <laughs> they should have a podcast. What are we Indeed. doing over here? And then uh, th- here's a good one. Need a big brain for this show. And finally, <sighs> incredibly confused. So these are the these are the five comments. Um, I think there may be some themes that are missing here, but I did appreciate this sort of melange of a, what I like is all of them were indicated as spoilers for the episode, which I really, (laughs) honestly, I feel like the only one that's a spoiler is perhaps she really got some bazongas. Everything else uh, describes nothing of any consequence. But I just wanted to share that with all of you because I had to say reading those comments was very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I, at, the, at the threat of spoiling anything. <laughs> she really does have some bazongas. I mean, it's, and we've talked about the bazongas. I mean, it's a very accurate statement. We have. In fact, that is the one place that I wish I could have taken from that first episode we recorded on five through eight because I thought our bazonga game was much much stronger on that episode than it was in our subsequent one. You just can't repeat history. No. It's just been proven time and time again. If you try to do the same thing. No, but you, you always... do have splicing tools. You could have tried to lift it, but I maybe it was just just you know, that section, but just the also... bazonga. 
It also would have been a lot of work. <laughs> it would have been like but that guy would have a mammarian task. Uh, all right, I tried. <laughs> what did you say? Like, I was mammarian task. It's, it's oh. like it would have been. It would have been like lifting her boobs. At, yeah. I, I think mean, the mammarian yeah, task or Bazongas, works for me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bazongas, and let's get it over with. She did use them to great effect on multiple occasions in these last few episodes. Yeah, it's interesting where he ends up. I guess we'll get there, but now that you brought up the Bazongas, it just kind of ties the room together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this episode ever going to get going? So episode nine, the cats, now they talk like humans. We didn't know they talked like humans before, but uh, we have a spy dog within their ranks now. Yamabiko can understand them. Yeah, and I think they're still meowing or something because the people can't understand them. But the dog's like, I've always understood you. Yeah. And initially they're offended or one of them is offended. But then she's like, actually, maybe I won't. Pretend I'm offended because. <laughs> so this is why it's really hard. Cool to... for a dog. This is why it's really hard to talk about just one episode because this episode kind of connects them across episodes. But basically, it is the cats that manifest this power. Uh, the three of them each serve a different role in Yamazon, but it's Sakura, the white one who is making copies. And at first they say, or they, Mizuho believes because they refuse to make copies of living things whenever she writes that down. She believes that they can't do it. But later we find out that they can do it. And that they did do it. And it yeah, turns out they that they're do responsible for the state of things because they made copies of the of the kids that ended up in this world. It's always the cats. <laughs> it's always the fucking cats. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a little weird because like they refuse to do it, but we see a copy of a person here. And this, it also raises a lot of other philosophical questions throughout the entire series. Like what, what is not a copy? What is a copy? Are people copies? I mean, did she, she, I presume didn't ask for any copies of people previously. So where did these people copies come from? I don't know. Did the, were the cats experimenting? You know, they were doing drugs. <laughs> I mean, they can talk, so who knows what they can do? Well, so they say, they, they say that Mizuho needs them. So I guess if they're keeping her in this stasis as a, as a child, or they presu- presume to be still a child, then that codependent bond never breaks. There's an interesting episode with her later, right? Yeah. Wait, Where... no, I think it's up. I think it is that one. Oh, is it in this episode? I, I, it's kind of hard to keep it, keep track. Cause I think across these two episodes, they reveal more. Yeah. But, you, but I'm assuming you mean the flashback to her childhood. That's, yeah. The that's, flashback. that's in this episode. So she asks for ice cream from her grandmother and her grandmother kind of like, scolds her and she throws a tantrum and then i i wasn't quite sure what was going on but it seems like the cats had the power to copy things already in our world or the original world and that 
either either the cats made a copy of ice cream that they put in a cat dish and that's why Mizuha is eating it on her hands and knees or she was eating cat food and pretending it was ice cream. And yeah, I that's didn't what I took away from that. What was your guys' thoughts on that? My thought was that she was eating cat food and the cats were like, you go, girl, we're not getting involved in this. And that's why her grandmother was like, what's you doing? Horrified, yeah. yeah. And then, but also, to me, this lended credence to the idea that the cats are like, we need to take care of her because she's clearly messed up in the head or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she's never going to make it on her own. We'll have to protect her. I totally relate, though. Like, just her, like, <laughs> no, no, like her, like, on the floor screaming she wants ice cream. Like, I feel like that's been, like, my mood today. <laughs> Why aren't you on the floor screaming and eating ice cream? You were I, was eat- I was eating ice cream earlier. I actually, actually, I, I stocked up. I stocked up because I knew that there's, I knew I was going to want ice cream later. But it wasn't, it wasn't a response to watching her on the floor eating ice cream, was it? Or no, cat but food? I, but I had seen it in the past. Oh, that's true. That's true. (laughs) You could have just referred to it in your memory bank. It's a very important (laughs) analog for you. Uh, I I really like the way they found out that the cats were involved or that uh, Raj, I'm sorry, is it Rajdani or? Yeah. yeah, That Rajdani investigated it by putting them under the lie detector. Yeah, it seems and like they can talk at this time, but not to him. And yet they still he's he's still successful in what he's doing. And then they finally like flip out. <laughs> I also love that they just, he discovers it because he has to make a copy of a game that he created the prototype for, which is about trying to find the tick that is in love with you amongst all the students. No, you need to find the tick, which is a hard enough task, but then you've got to conquer the game by finding romance with the tick. And he talks about how proud he was to spend all the time programming the deep emotional life of the tick. Uh, But it's, it only sold one copy. I don't know who purchased it. Uh, But there's two. And that's he, how he ends knew. up with two, and he's like, "How can there be two copies of a one of a kind game?" It's like that album that Martin Shkreli had. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't think of Martin Shkreli's uh, Wu Tang album? This might be the third time we've mentioned him on this podcast. <laughs> Martin Shkreli? I feel like it's it's come up before somehow. But, There's a lot uh, of interesting things about Martin Shkreli. I'm not saying I like him. I'm not. It's not like, well, Hitler was a good guy. Well, I was he just invented watching... the microphone. No, I'm not I'm not saying that. I do not believe that, by the way. Just to clear the air. I am not <sighs> I'm not a fan of Hitler. This is going in a bad direction. <laughs> uh, I was gonna mention that I watched Inventing Anna, the uh the series about uh Anna Dolvey, the uh fake German heiress that captured the Zeitgeist back in the day for basically pretending to be insanely rich and infiltrating New York's like socialite glitterati high society and almost getting funding for her building to the tune of like $40 million. An immigrant from, from Germany via Russia who like had nothing when she arrived and just like faked her way to the top and just had a dream so big so big that it like 
it became impossibly large. Like at any point she could have stopped and just said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to stay at this level. They're offering me a dream job. They're going to pay me to do nothing. I can just take the money and live a comfortable life. But instead she just kept aiming bigger. I don't know. I don't know what this has to do with anything with that, but Martin Shkreli was in it. Not as not himself, but someone playing him at a party. <laughs> that was a very long tangent to get back to Martin Shkreli. It's, it's sometimes it's six degrees of Martin Shkreli. That's that's another name for the show. I think I'm actually like two, two or three degrees connected to him. You have what? I think I'm like three, three degrees away from him, actually. Oh, so. gotcha. So it's not wrong. <laughs> Oh, you're serious <laughs> yeah it oh, makes sense you you're like a lifelong new jersey new yorker right i i mean yeah it's but 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 there's actually it's actually just a complete coincidence oh <laughs> i mean it's not it's not like can you get us that it's, not, it's, not, it's not like no it's not like it's not like if you just hang around the tri-state area enough like you will eventually run into mark screlly i just I, i've known people who know people who know him um anyway is he he's still in jail isn't he or has he been released i I guess this is this is like deeper martin screlly lore than i know no let's go back to sunny boy then i was like i think we've been talking more than the show yeah i it's fine it's fine um we were we were sort of getting to the part where uh we talked about the actual like crux of the episode but we kind of covered it a little bit but there are two brothers and it it's just the action's like immediate. Like they're already in the process of trying to solve this subquest or this side quest where they have to resolve the issue between them. And the issue is that literally one of them has one more hair than the other. Uh, or at least we believe that they're brothers, but one of them is actually a copy of the other. So uh, I don't know what to do with it, <laughs> but I have to tell you the joke I came up with, which is they're having a feud over hairs because they're splitting hairs. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. No, I think that's actually it. Oh, it is it. I think yeah. so too. I think so too. Because and that's the issue that they're. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that someone on Reddit pointed out that the uh, Cybeast Twenty One pointed out that the cat's abilities are copying things, making them copycats. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, mean, I think this this story is like a good ex- this story is a good example of what I was saying before about Sunnyway being best is taken as like a series of vignettes around around the theme, and this is like another another example of how people like keep themselves going in how they keep themselves going over a long period of time. That's a good point. When they because... know it's helpless, it's like it's it's sim- it's similar to the brick building or the building episode where it's like they know they're you know they know that they're not going to actually build this tower in this case it's just um they've he's he's kept himself going with this like imaginary feud with himself and then when when it when it's over because um misaki misaki gives them the toy gun gives him the toy gun to end it it's just he, he he commits suicide because he has nothing. He has just has nothing left to go to keep going. Right. He's, he's been so lost around. in the, yeah. in the, uh, it's like, I'm, I'm trying hard to 
be able to articulate this thought that formed my brain, but it's sort of like path dependency. Once you are you move in a certain pattern, you you lose moorings to the reality that you used to be involved in, and now your entire existence is defined by your current circumstances. And when he ends that that other half of him, the, the duality against which he's been struggling, there's nothing left to live for. He can't connect himself to whatever existence he had before to have a meaningful life. I agree. I think that those are both, I mean, they're both very good explanations for it. Uh, he seems to have gone somewhat f- feral <laughs> compared to the other version of him. Uh, it's almost like a Cain and Abel situation. And I hate how much the Bible keeps coming back to bash me in the head when I'm watching this show, but I saw Cain and Abel there. Even because one of them like always seems to have like one gift that the other doesn't. One thing that makes them better. Uh, but I also saw, I also started to see purgatory in this and I feel icky to say that because that's exactly what lost kind of was. It was like, it turned out to be the sixth whole Oh, here's spoilers for lost. The sixth season of (laughs) lost is purgatory. They're just kind of waiting for the others to arrive and like working on bettering themselves. Like the island itself was real, which is another thing these two things have in common is that the worlds that they are in are real, but there is there is a tangible moment at which the series steps into purgatory without telling you, but then it's revealed at the end that they're just kind of like, their lives are, they're the, the weird alternate lives you've been seeing them live are sort of like their, uh, their holding pattern. Anyway, here I started to see it in the sense that like each person seems to be working towards their own ascension of of a kind or their own finale where they they, they deem it they, they they decide that it's time to move on or it's time to just stop. <laughs> and in the interim, they live for millennia. They they continue to live. And I know they explain it because Mizuho's story eventually comes back to if the cats have the power, what is Mizuho's power? Or if Mizuho doesn't have, like any copy that Mizuho orders herself, I think, uh, is immortal, right? The living beings, because they have these two chickens. I think this isn't in the next episode, but I'm not sure. But they have these two chickens And one of them is ordered by Nagara and one of them is ordered by Mizuho. And Nagara slits the chicken's throat and blood, 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 dead. But the one that Mizuho orders is immortal. It doesn't die. Was that the takeaway? I thought it was just that. I actually just thought that was them testing the fact death had been invented in that world and she didn't cut the other one. But Yeah, I don't know that I took that away. I thought both chickens died. Why did the one on the left live? What does that I don't mean? think they cut it. Wait, why she, wouldn't she, they? She wanna, what was the experiment then? Why would they need two chickens to prove that? Well, she, she didn't want to cut hers because she didn't want to see it die. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting though. Like, what that does was, that mean? If yeah. if that's true, what does it mean to to the situation? 
because it, it doesn't seem like a series that was trying to say like Nagara's willing to kill a chicken, but Mizuho <laughs> isn't. I'm yeah, curious. I'm curious yeah. if you if you have a tiebreaker thought on this, Don. No, because I'm guessing I misinterpreted and I'll have to go back and look later. Um, yeah, I really, I really just saw that as like because of things that happen in episode 10. Um, should I just jump ahead and say that? Or Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We can jump into because episode Nozumi, 10. I think we've Nozumi, covered Nozumi that. dies after Asakaze has brought death to the world or invented the concept of death with um unless they want to prove that is it strange that he supposedly invented death but later on where they explain that death is a change of state of being yeah and and i mean at this point we've also seen that happen in well well we know time is messed up actually but at least maybe we saw that happen in yamabika's yeah that's what i was thinking yeah because they're they're dead, but they're not dead. They're like, they're crystal, and they don't exist as their current as their form anymore. Yeah, I was very confused about the killing of war and what the implications of that were, because death is killed by turning him into a gun. Is the gun the holdover? or gift, whatever they call them. That's what I thought. That results from Asakaze killing war. Yeah. Off screen. What they, what they, they also say war was this world. Like that though, that this world uh, they were in was called war. So I think by conquering the world, he got that. Oh, hmm. that's over. interesting. But then what, it's kind I, what of was like the embodiment? an painting. Of it is <laughs> because the, the, the person that they find is this person who's perpetually throwing, falling through space and appears to have no no functioning mind. And I, I'm trying to connect this version of war to the version of war we saw um, a couple episodes previously with the, the sort of cancers. And maybe that's not the correct interpretation. But I was making that connection because we were using the same word, war. I almost said war is the mind killer, thinking it was from Dune, but it's obviously fear is the mind killer. So. Fear is the mind killer. Um, um, I mean, I guess that the first time I watched, I thought they were just separate characters who happened to have the same name. But second time I watched it, I think it's more that if 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 the original war we met was like bringing in emotional pain from the outside, then this world is maybe this war world is where the emotional pain is. It could be because the red color does match sort of the aesthetic of war. Mm. And so how does Nozomi die? She falls. I guess she Asakaze doesn't save her. He doesn't. So. Yeah. Why not? Does he lack the power? I wondered well, about that. Do you I have mean, thoughts? Bitter because she rejected him. Yeah, and but he's... He, okay, go on. And he knows his inner thoughts are known because... He knows his inner thoughts are known to her and the others because um, both Misaki and... I can't remember the name of the other girl. I think I her name was Yeah, I th- Yeah, that's it. 
I just called her um, broken arm lady. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. So she, that kind of sucks coming to the world of being forever immortal, but never changing with a broken arm. So oh, that's it. You just, you got a broken arm forever. <laughs> yeah. I don't envy that. Also, no. also it sucks. She's just like got a broken arm and she falls and gets hurt <laughs> while they're trying to get to this place. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't know. What was the question again, Don? How does Nozomi die in the sense that how does, um, how does, how do they let her die? I mean, in principle, when they're like, she's just falling forever. I didn't even think she was dead. But we saw how the other guy was. Yeah, it, that's not a great existence. Don't get me wrong. No. <laughs> At that point, they are right next to the red part of the of the bottom, right? Of the bottom. Are they? Does it whatever. ever bottom? The, I don't know it if it bottom? ever does, but the, like the it changes from like being that sort of beige uh, all over to being like red behind them a bit more. Mm-hmm. So they must be closer to it. Uh, but also, I don't know. She, it's, it, it reminds me of, oh God, it reminds me of Harry Potter when, um, <laughs> Sirius Black was not gets, expecting you to go there. Sirius Black gets hit with the avocadaver spell and falls into the, the, the veil mm-hmm. and he's just dead. Like he's just gone, but they didn't kill him really. Yeah. He just dies by He's, he died because he got hit by the spell, but he dies because he goes through the curtain that leads to like the great beyond or whatever that's never explained. But what I'm saying is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think what's I, important is that Asakaze doesn't save her. Right. And he's, my, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Like I interpret it as like a crisis of confidence and faith in himself because, you know, he finds he, he's been rejected. Yes everyone's been reading his thoughts and kind of directing him to a certain extent, or at least Misaki has. So he's realizes he's no longer the God he thought he could be. Yeah. And, and he says as much to her right before they, they they have their big kind of fallout right there. Uh, I just want to point out though, that like, I did not know Asakaze was into Nozomi at all. I I'm wondering if going back because you watched the series all the way from the front again, like twice, right? I wonder if going back, you could see more hints that, that this was the case. I know he was, a, he appears a lot in places where it wouldn't make sense for him to necessarily be. But was there anything else that indicated that he was like into her, into her? I can't think of any concrete examples, but yes. He he like gets he he doesn't like how much time she spends around Nagara. Yeah, fair enough. But it doesn't. uh, No, I definitely didn't. I I don't think it was. I'm trying to understand if it helps if it helps us understand something more if we had figured this out previous to this episode, and I don't think it does. No. Um. But. Even given that fact, he's such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, my god, you could do so much better, girl. 
I mean, but yeah, and that's why it's it's sort of funny that you know we're talking about why Subasa's um, obsessed with him. <laughs> yeah, Subasa's Subasa can actually see his true nature, and she's like, "But I can't help it. I she want can this see guy." All guys' true natures, maybe he's like yeah. the best one. No, well, she doesn't imply that he's the best one. That's for sure. <laughs> At least she knows where he stands, where she yeah. stands with him. Absolutely, there's no like, there's no daylight knowing exactly he's like i can just use her and she's like yep that's that's how it's gonna be i'm gonna be used but at least i get to be around him (laughs) i wanna be used by you by you and nobody else but you i mean it man and then i just i'm still struggling with nozomi's death because i just don't get it like she fell and everyone's like whoopsie no, I think it, it, if we want to talk about episode eleven, I mean, good God, I, I, they, I think it's episode I, ten. Oh, I, I was just saying, like, it, just to skip ahead for a second, like oh, okay. how they handle Nozomi's <laughs> death is is really heartbreaking and beautiful. Like, I agree with that. Yeah, I love the song. I believe it's called "Light, Light, Light, Light Ship" uh, by the Natsuyasumi Band. And uh, I love how that song plays with the montage of them constructing the 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 funeral the funereal tent that they make with the white and blue stripes that they paint and they they make everything themselves and like it's really beautiful. Uh, they have it a is. guest book. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody signs because nobody's There's, there. Nobody's there. Yeah. Nobody shows up for her. Yeah, that's I- it's. it's- definitely the most emotional part of the series i agree and even on rewatch i was like tearing up yeah it makes me me struggle a little bit because in episode nine we saw um what is it subasa get back on the the bus subasa went back was that on episode nine or am i thinking of ten it doesn't really matter is ten the one with the trains and nine is the one with the with the magic bus I mean, it all sort of runs together, but the magic bus goes back and then they're all learning. They're all becoming part of the army. And for like, what now? Like, what is the army doing? What everybody's going off in different directions? Like, what is everybody else doing? (laughs) Like, we know what a couple key characters do or don't do, but the vast majority of students just seem totally lost in eternity and there's no resolution to that that i see and i would love it if you all saw differently or could enlighten me i just don't think they liked or cared about her that much not just about her not just about showing up for her like what are they they doing funny boy then because i really did like her it's true i liked her a lot too but like you're supposed supposed to like her it's just the the other kids don't she's kind of goes against she goes against the green that is um, true. She did not yeah. seem super pleasant when we first met her, where she was ripping up her textbook. She seemed magnetic and char- like she had a certain weird charm about her. But I could see how she'd be somewhat off-putting. The, the The sign that she's dead is that the compass is left behind, and that becomes sort of like the conquered world's symbol or something. That wasn't what I got from it. What I got from it is just that. Hmm. I think that they said that it was her will remained. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was unclear on that, especially 
in episode 12 where there were two compasses but because one of them was a copy yeah how'd that happen the amazon copy that the cats brought (laughs) but why who asked for it because they need they wanted because they wanted proof um nagara and the others wanted proof that she was dead yeah honestly that was a slip up on my part because i just thought she was carrying the compass all along and that was this was just a thing of hers they got In, in retrospect that doesn't make much sense but the idea of of uh of her still guiding them is sweet too Yes. And I love how Rajdani rejoins the group appearing after 2000 of his years. He's been he's been traveling the stars or whatever the worlds for 2000 years and he arrives with this weird parrot on his face. Yeah, yeah. how did he do that? How did he manage to jump time in a way that everyone else didn't? technology yeah he has bullshit technology including his lie detector by the way let's go back to that because the lie detector like even the inventor of the lie detector says that the whole thing was kind of bullshitty and it doesn't actually work the way it says it works i'm sorry the inventor of the lie detector yeah the person who like who like made and promoted them and got the police to like adopt them this is where we're drawing the line of imagination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, yeah. You know, <laughs> that, you know, that for all the weird trippy things happening. Yes, you got us. It's just not possible that a lie detector could work in a fictional world. And on cats, no less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not so much. It's not so much the it's it's. The I mean, I can see that being of, a bigger problem a in all create, fairness. Like any kind of weird new technology including some magical bullshit guns that can like seal pipes and like make things magically materialize and tick dating sim <laughs> yeah he did that didn't he do that before he uh <laughs> yeah he did that before yeah before the before the great this worlding <laughs> oh yeah yeah he was always sort of like a a person who wanted to in, like learn and and grow and sh- and ex- and explore and like, discover so that remained the same i guess um there's not a lot to say about episode 11 because of like but uh i did have a question yeah i i actually find him to be the most realized character like he grew and changed and then did you ever watch the good place yeah i was thinking about that show when i was watching this actually yeah he's sort of (laughs) like he pieces out i i this it's not really a spoiler i don't know if it's a spoiler whatever he pieces out kind of like they piece out in in the good place like you know at a certain point it's like well he found heaven yeah and then he was like i don't need to go back I don't, I'll never need that. That's why I I think of it as almost like this way station before their reincarnation, except it's not that. It turns out not to be that. Uh, In all the stuff that they they lead it up to, they they, they were building up to, where they they kind of had this worry that they'd be different people. It's true in the sense that their adventure has changed them into different people. Yes, I agree with that. But that sort of same kind of comment I was trying to make with the path dependency, right? Like, 
you can't, you can never step in the same river twice is another statement they used to say. Like you just can't go back to where you were before because you have had, you have I don't know about you, but I can step in the same river twice. Oh, come on. This is, (laughs) I'm not going to explain it. If you don't know, if you haven't, if you haven't been exposed to that Greek philosophical con, the thing, then I can't help you. I know it's not the same river because it's the water is flowing through the water. Technically, we're swimming in water in an ocean of air right now, so everything we do is not the same. It, that's true, though. That is true. <laughs> also, our molecules are separated. Our atoms are separated, so we're not touching anything either. Gotta keep them separated. <laughs> I hate that that's like a classic rock song. <laughs> it's so goofy. When it comes on the radio, like on the classic rock station, I laughed so hard. You know, I, I associate with that song is um, when it was new, my dad pointed out the riff sounded like the music in Doom. So it's like, I didn't even, like, it was years before I knew the actual name of the song. I was like, oh yeah, the Doom song. Like that was just what it was called and everyone would understand this. <laughs> Damn. Actually, I still don't, I don't remember what it's called. Come out and play. Yeah. Because I would have thought keep it separated. Yeah. I. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't matter. I, I remember buying that album. And uh, yeah, I had it. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, people still love The Offspring today. Goofy boys. All right. Uh, is there anything else to say about episode 11 before we go on to the finale? Yeah, how did... How did they, uh... figure out how to build this uh, go-back machine? I missed that. I assume you guys caught it, and I didn't. Well, I I know that... I know that Nagara was piecing things together on his own. Yeah, because he... Because Rajasthani? Rajasthani. Rajstani, it's like, oh, look at all this that you figured out. This is amazing. He's really into it. And then he just moves a few pieces and he's done. Well, he's been living for 2,000 years. He's already super smart. He already figured out a lot of things. And some of the uh, stuff he clearly didn't care about. He's like, oh, we could figure out how to go back, but why would we? Yeah. Why would I? But he knows that they want to go back. Well, yeah, he's happy to help them once they're that far along. So, oh, sure. It's nice that they still want to go back. The, what an interesting sucks. way to yeah! <laughs> what an interesting way to phrase that. We haven't even gotten to talking about that about episode twelve's philosophical conundrum about going back and whether that's what you want to do or not. Um, One thing I really like about the portrayal from Somi's death is that there's not some big dramatic built up with like her dying in someone's arm and someone screaming you know none of that none of that cliche like it's just like a freak accident that happens and then just suddenly she's gone i find that to be very you know unfortunately true to life that it's just like so you know someone someone dies someone dies suddenly and just you know your your life is different now like they're just not there anymore there isn't there isn't necessarily always a chance to like say goodbye yeah, it's a, it's kind of like losing someone in an accident that you didn't like, you weren't part of. You just hear about it afterward. Yeah, like they just get a note. 
Yeah, postcard. Oh, yeah, postcard. By the way. <laughs> they don't even... Did They even use a word, strange word to refer to the... It's not... She she was lost, I or think. She was, like, departed or something. Yeah, maybe it's, that's it. it, does, it yeah, it's the euphemism, and that's kind of why they have to get the copy of the compass to, like, to to have some to have some sort of proof, some you know something to really kind of like nail in this this happened, and that you know you're not just going to suddenly run into her like on the island somewhere, and you know everything's okay. Yeah, there's a story that Rajdani tells about um, some students. I assume they're students because everybody are, but the students have they went off and they built their own utopia and everything was good. They weren't eating because they don't need to eat. They weren't killing. They weren't taking what they don't need. It was, it was a, it was a crunchy woke heaven. <laughs> and, and then the person who led them there went crazy and started killing them. And supposedly this person is the inventor of death. And so they just started killing them and finding more and more ways to kill them until finally something broke and they were able to kill them. Am I getting this right? Death, I, that interpretation. And that was the invention of death? Well, death was a change. That was where the sort of concept of it's like death is actually the releasing of a, a state of existence for another state of existence. But that doesn't imply that your physical body has to die. It's it's a change of state of the mind, is how I interpreted that. It was like kind of like a dissociation of some sort, not like a medical dissociation, but like yeah, yeah, the person ceased caring. And it's interesting to me that the couple of glimpses we get of the person really, really, really looks like Hoshi, but probably isn't because otherwise Rajdani would have been like, you know, remember Hoshi. <laughs> Unless this is it Rajani... now. Feel old. <laughs> Victoria is doing what's called a meme, Don. Mm. <laughs> um, I also thought it was Hoshi at first, but and and then I said, well, if even if he knew it was Hoshi, it's been two thousand years. <laughs> I wonder if he would remember Hoshi's name at that point. If he's been just out there for 2000 years. I think so. I mean, he remembers every he remembers everyone else. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's you raise an excellent point though is what would I remember from 2000 years ago because I can assure you I barely remember things from 20 years ago. And I shouldn't like yeah. There's this really cool movie called uh, Only Lovers Left Alive by Jim Jarmusch. It has uh, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston in it as vampires in Detroit, as sort of like Detroit is in decline. And it used to be a vibrant city full of life and music. And they're just sort of living in its like coffiny, like dead husk. And yet they remember the music and stuff, but they're like old, they're old people. <laughs> and like all the details that aren't like art and fucking and <laughs> like all that stuff that isn't that has just become this sort of like mushy paste. 
and it's only like those those like brilliant fireworks moments that they remember. Nostalgia. Yeah. Like roast tinted glasses. In a way, sure. But also like the legitimate appreciation for when things are alive and when they're not. For when things were like the the legitimate appreciation for what the way things were good and how you remember them. So yes, kind of nostalgia, but in sort of the lens of of you personally feeling they were formative or breathtaking or eye-opening, something that changed you and moved you. And will Sunny Boy be that? I don't know. But the ending I liked. I liked the ending a lot. Did you yeah. also like the ending? Yes. I mean, it sucks. It's a sucky world. Well, it the sort of. thing that it does <clears throat> across this entire span is ground us in a very relatable and experience, experiential, not ex, sorry, relatable mm-hmm. reality, mm-hmm. a reality that we all yeah. have experienced at one time or another. Gray, rainy, dim. Your prospects are unknown and can't be known, and you feel like you're starting from scratch. I think it's satisfying in the sense that finally something that makes sense as opposed to like someone turning into a dog and then uh, the cancer showing up everywhere and everyone with these fantastical powers like oh I, i'm I'm being a little bit contrary and i I did like the ending. But I, I struggle with how, in some ways, it's fairly mundane compared to the audacity of a lot of the rest of Sunny Boy. Um, and there was one thing I did want to explore with both of you, which doesn't address this pre- prior point. But somebody pointed out, hey, if Nozomi is alive here, then what happened to that film version where they all attended graduation sort of in... Um, uh, in that that sort of found film strip, but Nozomi was dead there, like she didn't exist. So she clearly exists in this world. And somebody was like, "Oh well, what if this world itself is just a copy of the actual world, and that's why you've got these characters returning because the cats provided a whole copy of the world." Um, and they just happen to pop into there. And of course, like anything else, it's a slightly different copy than the original. So they're still at arm's length from their actual reality, which I thought was, eh, eh, it's it's not inconceivable. So let's discuss. So that made sense to me. One thing Nagara says on the rocket ship is there, you know, they he's like, we can't change the future, but where we can re-roll the possibilities. So this is just, this was just another possibility mm-hmm. how that really ties into the whole principle who apparently like rolled the dice and everything. Like I, I don't have an answer to that, but <laughs> it may not. It, if it's not the real world, they certainly took the time to make sure that Mizuho thought it was because she breaks the glass to make sure that the rules apply. Yeah. She, she opens and closes those curtains in the school building at night because she's trying to see if there's like that stuff on the other side. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I choose to believe that this 
this is just a different version with some of the variables changed of their world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think I really like how they handle Nagara and Mizuho here mm-hmm. because she pretends not to even know him the first time, <laughs> which is just very her. Oh, I had to read. I have to read this to you guys before I get into this. I I saw this on Reddit and I thought it was like the funniest <laughs> thing. It was about episode nine. Reddit with friends, 10. everyone. Uh, this one was. Uh, oh my god, did I erase it? No. Oh, <laughs> this was from Cole Thief. Uh, Cole <laughs> underscore Thief, and they wrote episode nine: having a doppelganger of yourself will end poorly. Episode 10, Mizuho, one doppelganger, please. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up. <laughs> Thank you, Reddit, for the humor. Never fails. Um, but I liked how they handled it because, because they both acknowledge that it kind of does suck because Mizuho doesn't have her cats anymore. Uh, her grandmother's gone? Yeah. She and, did. And the cats have been placed in new homes in Tora. Uh, it turns out to be 13 years old, which is pretty old for a cat. And the cat, Tora's passed on. So I, I had some challenges here, which is if I went through an absolutely berserk experience, like being cast out into copies and delusions of the world, and then somehow found myself back, I would not be so casually dismissive of the other person who went through those experiences. The only other person who can relate to what I went through, I feel like they would bond a wee bit over such incredible experiences. But um, did you think she blamed him at all? I think, I think they bonded. Like she, she even says like, if you got part of you from that, you know, from that whole time, like if you've sort of like kept your spirit from that time, you'll be fine. Like, yeah, but they, thought, she's yeah. like, I'll I'll see you around when I. She's like, I'll see you when I see you. Guess you got a job. That must suck. See you later. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, I don't even understand what she's surviving on. She's like, she doesn't have a job. She's like, he's like, yeah, don't get a job unless you absolutely have to. Interesting take on the world, my man. What's she living off of? I, I like this. I like this though. I like, like I feel like in a way it's like similar it's it's similar to older isekai where you know they've come back into this world to be better people but it's a little more grounded like the world still sucks as much as it did before yeah but you can but you can tell that you can tell they've grown like they're gonna so they're still gonna be kind of they're still not really gonna both of them are still not really gonna fit in you know but this but as they say as they say this is the world we chose but also they're, they're gonna they're gonna solely make their best of it if they even if they can't change i guess i just feel like broadly. there's no bigger introvert than one that's like hey just we just went through the most unbelievable experience ever i'll see you around <laughs> I, mean, I mean she she could also be tired of him like, I, yeah the, so this is been years that's the best response i've heard so far like absolutely like, um you and don't but know she's... where it leaves them, though. You don't right. know what happens after that. that they imply st- heavily that, like, it's their life now. And they can fuck it up, sure. But they get another chance to, like, live. And I, make so, choices 
No offense, but if we skip back, if we skip back to this world, those were their lives' choices to lead as well. Um, Rajdani made choices there. I mean, like if you enter into a world where it's like, well, you can't die, you might make a bunch of unorthodox choices that you wouldn't make in this world, but they're all still choices at the end of the day, and you are making your own world. So that's why I, I just feel like. Uh, it's somewhat disingenuous to go back to your original world and original existence and be like, well, now I, you know, now the possibilities are endless. No, man, they were endless before. They're actually somewhat removed. Like you've got, the parameters are narrowed a bit in what you can actually do. But that's as much a choice as staying was for everybody else. Did you see what happens, though, when you remove those parameters that sort of limit us? People went insane. <laughs> Rajtani, yeah. the smartest guy, had what appears to be a pretty awesome arc. Lived 2,000 years, turned into a forest. Honestly, doesn't sound too bad. It's not too bad, but it's it's something else. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. I think I think for one, it would have been a lot more boring if it was just like, yeah, we're like magical best friends now, and we're going to... You know, hold hands and skiff off into this rainy graveyard area that, you know, they're talking because they're talking in a graveyard. No, I, I hear you. I, I'm not expecting it to be all sunshine and light because obviously it ain't. Um, it's raining, really. It's just a very it, rainy It's a lot world. of rain, man. Like, I don't know, move to Florida or something. More like California. rainy boy. I just had to bring that back. <laughs> mm, yeah, you can't. Let's talk about the very, very last scene now. Uh, oh no! Wait, I'm sorry. We have to talk about Asakaze because he shows up one more time. Yeah, oh, actually, yeah. great. And it's kind of his redemption arc. I wasn't sure. Uh, he's <sighs> so if if Rajstani had a life I'd want to live. Yeah, you don't want to be Asakaze. <laughs> Asakaze has the worst one. Man, that dude is just mentally fucked at the end of this. Yeah, everyone's gone, and he has like his God powers alone in creation. And the inability to create anything. What happened to God? Like he went and killed war for God and, and like God actually does show up and he's like, don't leave. And people are like, well, you didn't say we couldn't leave. (laughs) So we're going to (laughs) leave. It's one of the, just one, it's one of the possibilities. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's like off on his own now. It's like, Oh, you're the, you're the, the capital soldier of God. What about the 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 big bazongood woman? What what became of her? She left. Yeah. To go where? There's nowhere to go. go. Walmart. <laughs> um, she wants. Yeah, she wants to go bra shopping. Um, but, no, <laughs> yeah. but, she, but like she's abandoned. She's abandoned him. Basically. Yeah, it's he's, and it seems yeah. clear that she was just waiting to do so. But the accomplishment of killing war doesn't seem to have done anything for anybody. I mean, no. If anything, I made it worse because he lost knows me. Um, I, I, I like also just want to say I like this sequence. I love this sequence a lot where we have Nosami and Naga like literally running back yeah. to their worlds over this like super trippy backgrounds. Like I love trippy shit. Um, it kind of it kind of reminds me at least it kind of reminds me of the ending to Adolescence Mutana. Not like thematically, but like the beats of it are very similar. And if you watch that, you'll see what I mean. Um, it's a complete coincidence, but I like it. Like, this reminds uh, me of a thing I like. 
I love characters running with each other. It's yeah. a it's a good vibe. And I liked that they were tied together, which is why I didn't I, I, when Dawn said that like about them like not being close. Uh, it was at the moment when I thought that they were going to say that she didn't remember him that I, I was kind of like betrayed a bit because I was like, oh, well, they had the the, the, the rope that connected them. No, they're, 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 they're linked somehow. So I was happy that they did get together because I, I did feel, again, that's what I was talking about. Like you feel those moments. Like it's hard to talk about it exactly and describe how it felt watching it, but I was rooting for those crazy kids. It feels like adolescence. Yeah. And Asakaze steps in to kind of like do one good deed. Yeah. He lets still them don't... pass. What? Why doesn't he go with them? He's got nothing going on there. He doesn't deserve it. I don't know. Maybe he goes later. I mean, it's funny because when you go to the the real world, the, the, the I'm sorry, the original world <laughs> or the world that they go to. There we go. When you get there, Asakaze is with Nozomi. Yeah, that was very much something. And she doesn't know Nagara. And, but they have this one moment at the end that's really touching. Uh, the, the mother bird that Nagara found at the beginning. Not the beginning, but when before this all happened. <laughs> Episode one. And he got blamed for it. Uh, they Nozomi's checking on the nest and or, or he's checking on the nest and Nozomi shows up and she's found a little baby bird. The other ones are gone, but there's one that survived. And because Nozomi is there, she saved it. So even though it's not his Nozomi and he doesn't get to have that relationship with her, I think is what it's saying. I think, I think it's open-ended um, worth calling out that. I think episode 11, there's a flashback where she's saying like, you know, if we, if, if you go back to our world and like, you see me like be, you know, be the one to, you know, be the one to say, Hey, let's be friends. Like, she's like, if she, if she's not, if she's not there to do it, like he should do it. And then you're right. So we have this, you're right. Yeah. We have this extent, extent secret, the ending where you like, he meets, he meets her and you think she's, he think he's going to try that. But he doesn't because this Nozomi is clearly a very different person. And but and but I think it's because he's changed. And yeah, he, he's... he wants her to be happy, not to be with him necessarily. Yes, that's right. He wants her to be happy. He is happy when she is happy. And it doesn't matter that he is not a part of that, which is extremely mature. But she's also like the best thing in this world. She's She's sunshine on a rainy day, like literally. Yeah. She also... He also says, like, you know, this is the, I think the last line, he says, this is this, like the start of our lives. So it's not precluding the possibility he doesn't become friends with her at some point. He's just You're gonna, correct. Yeah, he's like, he's like taking, he's, he's taking, he's taking it day by day. Like, I just I choose to believe that, like, when he sees her with the bird and that, like, this girl is alive, the world that he's created has an Izomi to pick up an orphaned bird that to me that said like somehow that's enough for today like (laughs) maybe the world maybe he has a shit job and maybe that things aren't always going to go his way but somehow just having nozomi in this world is enough for today uh and if he can just string enough of those things together 
you know, he'll have, he'll have a good life. I don't know. It was really touching. And this is about uh, how we live and also like, especially yeah. how we felt, how we felt in high school. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't know things were going to get better. You know, we yeah. didn't know. No, you're right. It, that is a tough age. So. It really is. So did we even know what was his deal? I, I don't remember, but I know that he would be in his house and there was garbage bags and stuff and he was talking to someone, but we never saw them on camera or we never saw them interact with him. Was his, were his parents just derelict or what, what was the deal? I, I guess because there were also scenes where he seemed to be withdrawing from school. So yeah. it's, it's, it's probably just a crap life. He does seem more chipper. Yeah. In the scenes that he is actively there, but he's also kind of in PTSD, I think, because sometimes it just seems like he's a little bit zoned out. Yeah. And I would blame that on having traveled, you know, and lived in a in a vague other space for an indeterminate amount of time. I think well, I guess it was 2 years, 2 years and he called it two, I think years. two years. Yeah. And I think in the real world, it just passed as like, it was just summer vacation. Yeah. But that's it for sunny boy. Um, now that I've seen it all, I like all of it better than I thought I did initially. And I still liked it, but I think overall, uh, I like it a lot even though I couldn't tell you exactly what it's about or what all of the pieces mean together. So. It's like looking at a painting. That's what I want to say, <laughs> but not everyone agrees with that and it's okay. But I think it's a really, it's a really good ex- show to experience and feel like, like just watch it, watch it through like, and just 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 enjoy it and feel it and i think you'll have a really good time i think you've got to you got to make it all the way through it's yeah. very satisfying at the end but part of that is because it had you twisting in the wind for a while <laughs> and you were sort of losing hope that there'd be any sense of a yeah of a conclusive concluding yeah. narrative that that actually was within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I'm glad we watched it. Uh, I don't know what's next for us. I think we're trying to do Twittering Birds Never Fly. Yeah. Let's go from deep thoughts to butt sex. (laughs) Don, are you ready for this? (laughs) I don't know. I hadn't really paid any attention, and that is one hell of an introduction, Victoria. Uh, I think what we'd like to do out there stuff on this show that maybe not, doesn't get really, all the I mean, attention. Uh, but sex itself isn't out there, <laughs> but sort of a gangster love story with a gay gangster love story. Uh, you know, it's not uh, a young boy who p- levels up in his power and hits another guy with increasingly strong attacks. So it's out there enough. <laughs> you know, it's no Belladonna of sadness, I'm sure. No, nothing nothing can be like Belladonna of sadness, except maybe Blue Submarine. We enjoyed that one. 
What are you talking? Uh, Yellow submarine. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I know. I was just like, I said something wrong, didn't I? I think I'm just tired. <laughs> it's actually one of our shorter episodes in this cycle, but uh, yeah. That would be the last, I think, probably the last episode of Series 8, and then we will go on to a new series in the new year, and that'll be fun to explore. We might have one episode for the holidays, but I haven't decided what that's going to be yet. But, uh, you know, keep listening. And tell your friends about us. Tell us how, tell them how funny we are. Or I'll do the joke again. I'll say Rainy Boy again. Like, it's funny, but it's nope, not. No, don't do it. <laughs> Don will start singing show tunes probably won't do that honestly but yeah all right so we'll see you next time or we won't after see you. we say the right. magic words magic words okashku Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Ah. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's a it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay, and along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast? Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday. Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice. Oh,
Welcome, welcome to the best idea for a podcast of all time. This is Champs in the Making, a Pokemon bracket podcast where we take every one of these creatures in the Pokemon video game franchise, put them in a bracket together and find out which one the best one is. Starmie gives me like organic, free range, gluten free, like fidget spinner energy. Swallow can swallow a tire hole in one gulp. Ladybug looks like it is ready to give you so many high fives with each of its little mitten hands. <laughs> I don't like Weird Ear's face. It's got a big testicle for a nose, for sure. I think Nido King's favorite beer is PBR. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Champs in the Making, a Moonshot Network podcast about Pokemon. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or first at patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork.